0: April, Mother's Day is just around the corner. Do you know what you are doing for your mom this year? I sure do. This year, I'm gifting her
1: My Life in a Book, which is this very cool service that will allow her to turn her life stories into a beautiful printed book complete with her own photos of significant
0: moments in her life. Yes, this is so amazing. And dress listeners, here is how it works. So once a week, mylifeinabook.com will send your mom a question via email, and these can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you wish to ask, and then your mom can either type her response or she can use their voice-to-text feature, and mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. So join us and check out mylifeinabook.com and
1: use the code DRESSED at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use the code DRESSED for 10% off today. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Dress listeners, if you suffer from seasonal allergies like me, Astapro is your new go-to.
0: It has been super helpful to me this spring as it bursts into full bloom. And that's because Astapro is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter solution for nasal allergy symptoms. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the
1: first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. You too can get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief like I have with Astapro. It gets me back in the game, ready to record the show for all of you.
0: Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and Go today. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and Go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Dress the History of Fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. To over 7 billion people in the world, we all have one thing in common. Every day, we all get dressed. Welcome to
1: Dressed, the history of fashion, a podcast where we explore the who, what, when, of why we wear. We are fashion historians and your hosts, April Callahan and Cassidy Zachary.
0: And today, dress listeners, we are excited to explore a topic that we have not yet had the pleasure of touching on these past two seasons, and that is auction house. Yes, we have of course talked a lot about
1: museum collections and
0: collecting, but I
1: do not know if we have yet mentioned that one way in which museums acquire pieces is through the auction market.
0: Right, And in fact, a few episodes back, LACMA curator Clarissa Esquera spoke about this incredibly rare men's zoot suit that the museum had acquired at auction, but we didn't actually have a chance to go into details about the high stakes bidding war that ensued to acquire that garment. And I found this little gem on LACMA's blog, Unframed, where Clarissa wrote about, uh, quote, our big break in acquiring a zoot suit came in 2011 when a man's wool suit from New Jersey appeared in an East Coast auction catalog listed with an estimated value of six to $900. Knowing that was an extremely rare zoot suit, we submitted an application to bid by phone. And when the auction began on November 2nd, the opening bid of $500 skyrocketed in less than a minute to bids of five figures. The representative on the other end of the phone line could barely keep up with the pace of bidding, and finally she said, yes, it's yours. And our hard-fought winning bid for the zoot suit set a new auction record for 20th century menswear. Yes. I mean, if you have ever been to an auction in person, they can get quite exciting.
1: intense (laughs) at the same time. um, It was almost like a thrill or a high, like your adrenaline's like pumping hard. Um, And while the most renowned auction houses such as Sotheby's will often have auctions dedicated to fashion, textiles, and accessories, there are also auction houses specifically dedicated to selling these special types of items. The most well-known of these um, might be Carrie Taylor Auctions in London. And here in the United States, we have Augusta Auctions. And Both auction houses put out calls for submissions. So if you have any fabulous couture or vintage fashion that you've been wondering what to do with and and you would like to put it up for sale, auctions are always um, one option for you.
0: Yep. And they're a great option both for selling your vintage treasures, but also for acquiring them. I've always found it actually a little intimidating to go to an auction but they most of them are actually open to the public i went to an a carrie taylor auction while in grad school at fit and it was there that i acquired my very first rudy Gernreich. reich so it was quite the experience and i actually highly recommend it to anyone it's very very fun
1: And so too does our guest today, Timothy Long. It was as a curator at the Chicago History Museum that Tim honed his experience in fashion and textiles, as well as the Chicago born designer Charles James. And Tim joined us on Tuesday to discuss James's prolific career and legacy. So if you have not listened to that episode yet, you can check that out. Today, Tim is going to discuss with us his work as a director and senior specialist of couture
0: and luxury accessories for Hindman Auctions. Tim has such a fascinating job, and thankfully for us, he is very giving with his time and experiences. He actually has this incredible Instagram account, which everyone must follow immediately, at Timothy Long Fashion Curator. Tim, welcome back to the show. Tim, you post the most wonderful educational videos on historic dress. Mm. So where some people might post photographs, you post videos. And especially while you were at uh, the Museum of London and now at the Auctioneer House, you are really telling stories through videos and teaching people about this material culture that you interact with on a daily basis. So I'm hoping you can tell us... Why maybe how you thought of these videos and why these videos remain this important part of your work.
2: Well, thank you. I uh, really enjoy um, making the videos. So the positive response that you've just said and that others have had has been a real treat. Um, There is such an immediate component to it compared to what can often be a very long process, curatorial process. And now in auction worlds. You go through these development phases of projects that can be quite long, and that kind of immediate response is something that is really quite powerful. And I didn't fully, well, to be frank, I really opposed it at the beginning. I um, could not see value in social media in a professional way. And I saw it for all the things that I knew It was, um, at least for me at the beginning, which was a way to communicate socially with friends, cat videos and vacation videos whatnot. (laughs) And so when I left the Chicago History Museum and um, during that time at the Chicago History Museum, I curated many exhibitions, two per year, small um, exhibitions, about 30 mannequins up to 120 mannequins. And it was a very active exhibition calendar. And so when I moved to the Museum of London, um, I did not have the opportunity to curate as many exhibitions. And the Museum of London simply did not have the same rotatable gallery space as the Chicago History Museum did. And so my focus turned a lot to research whilst there. And then I started to fear my... um curatorial output was uh, all of a sudden not what it had been. And I was looking for an outlet and a place to continue to experiment with ideas. And I had for decades been giving tours, behind-the-scenes tours, either teaching classes of mine for students down in the depths or bringing the public. And when you are able to lift a collar or... Unbutton something or look at the inside in a very special, very intimate way, it can be quite profound. And it was a luxury that I enjoyed on a daily basis. And when I got to share that with others, I really enjoyed it. I could see the positive uh, impact. Um, Even people that could care less about fashion or think that they could care less about fashion. I could entertain and I could get into their mind in a way that made them appreciate it because they could see that no matter what garment we analyze, there are things about that garment or accessory that can tell us something about people. And so I took that, all those thoughts, and there was this moment, and I remember it clearly actually. I had the worst flu. And I was in bed for multiple days, and I was, you know, moaning about my life and, oh my God, what am I doing? And where is my career? And what about my curatorial output? And it clicked that social media is a platform. And so from that point forward, I just hit the ground running and I took the daily experiences that I had and would just continue to naturally film or photograph these incredible artifacts that I was coming into contact with and then would just sim- and post that and talk about that and talk about them in a way that it's replicating what we do as curators, where we read these garments. We um, look at the clues. We look at the details to better understand the item and, of course, better understand the world we lived in, the world that they lived in. And so it's been a real treat. Oh, I completely
0: understand. And it's really interesting, actually. We kind of have similar stories about how we came to social media because with my Art of Dress account – I had just moved back uh, from New York to New Mexico, and my exposure to fashion history was not existent at that time. And I was just brainstorming about how I was going to translate my passion and continue to explore fashion history in a way um, somewhat remotely in the desert. So (laughs) that translated into the art of dress, and it just kind of went from there. But the importance of social media just really can't be underscored enough, and Um, especially with someone like yourself that has access to this incredible history, you're not only making it interesting, as you said, to people who might not have otherwise thought it was interesting, but your social media is allowing you to make it accessible to really tens of thousands of people (laughs) who don't necessarily have that option to go on a tour, um, you know, to the Museum of London or can't, you know, can't make it to London or, you know, wherever they are around the world. It's, It's really incredible. And so as you mentioned, you recently went from working at a museum setting to that of an auction house. And I would love to hear a little bit more about your job in the auction house. This would be a first for Dressed.
2: Well, so yes, I have now been working at Hindman, As we are now known, uh, we recently went through a rebranding. So many people may recognize us more as Leslie Hindman Auctioneers. And so we have been a successful auction house now for many decades, and we are. Um, in locations around the U.S., uh, we deal with fine art, we deal with couture, of course, and luxury accessories, we have an Asian department, uh, we have a furniture and decorative arts, um, the list continues, really, we are an auction house that handles most things inside the home. and. For the couture department, we have been successfully selling couture now for decades, and I have been brought in to expand that department um, as the company is going through um, a new chapter uh, with the rebranding, and so now um, known as Hindman, or Hindman Auctions. And we are expanding in staff um, and also around the country. And so... It is not too far of a stretch um, from the job that I have done for the past 25 years. And I have always kept my eye on auction industry and specifically Leslie Hindman Auctioneers because I knew of the company. I know the, I know Leslie Hindman. Um, I know many people that work there. When I was a uh, curator, um, I would regularly receive their auction catalogs and would pay close attention to their very successful auctions um, in couture and luxury accessories. And so I also kept my eye on them because I knew that eventually, um, you know, life changes, and. Would I want to continue being a fashion curator in a museum after 25 years? And so I was always eager to see what value I might have uh, outside of the museum industry. Could I work in um, a completely different field? And just trying to expand my horizons and keep my eyes open. And that's another part of why I really ventured into social media to make sure that I wasn't restrained by the jobs that I had. Of course, as a curator, you are given a great deal of freedom, but um, certain museums where I've worked had certain focus that meant I couldn't necessarily explore something very different. And social media kind of gives me that play to focus on other things that I might not be able to do um, in my professional role. And so I really liked the fact that the auction industry allowed me to continue to be close to clothing. And so while I could go on to another industry, there were a lot of opportunities that I had that dealt with fashion as image. Um, not necessarily fashion as artifact or worked um, heavy on retail. And so the auction industry I found really quite compelling because what I do now um, is uh, a very similar process. So as a curator, I would search for exciting artifacts that um, had interesting stories to tell And I, or I would find those stories, I would do the research on them and pull together a storyline that I would present in an exhibition or in a publication to attract people to either come to the exhibit or to read my publications. And so as a director of a couture department in an auction house, I now search the country looking for interesting items of fashion history that I will use the provenance or their interesting um, history to attract people to buy. And while I compiled exhibits, I compile sales now with a preview, actually, that has a small exhibition, um, which we will most definitely be doing more of. And so... There are definitely things that I have had a steep learning curve um, recently, but I've really enjoyed being in an industry that I'm obviously familiar with because I've been around it. I'm very familiar with the fashion component and the identification of of an item, the authentication, fair market value. All of those things come natural to me because of my work as a curator uh, but I've really enjoyed being in situations where I had no idea of how to answer the question. And that's part of what I wanted in making this change, is to use what I know, but marry that with a new form of um, experience. And so it's been six months since I've been in the auction industry, I've had one um, successful uh, sale. I've only had one sale. Uh, it was successful. Um, and I travel around the United States searching through closets and storage units and museums, basements, all sorts <laughs> of places to pull together about four to six auctions per year on a variety of topics um, and heavily use social media to continue to present fun topics. But um, just like I did in the past, presenting those topics in a way to attract people to come to my exhibits, I'm now doing that in the hopes that people will buy.
0: And where can people find information about uh, upcoming auctions? Thank
2: you. We have um, a really beautiful website that has just launched. So it is Hindman Auctions. Um, You can find all of the uh, catalogs for the upcoming sales um, uh, in a very beautiful design that we're very excited to just roll out in the last few days. And the uh, upcoming sales um, will always have a online digital catalog. And so you can come to the website for a lot of reasons, but a lot of people come to our website to see the images, the descriptions, and of course, to eventually leave a bid for the item. And so, for example, for the... Uh, couture auctions, we will have images front, back, detailed images, condition uh, information available for people to view. Um, But that's all under uh, hindmanauctions.com.
1: Tim, thank you so
0: much for providing that insight into your fascinating job. And something actually, April, that you know just a little bit about. You are a USPAP certified art appraiser with a specialty in fashion and textiles. Can you share with us more about this program? I am sure that more than a few of our listeners will be quite interested. As am I. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I've had that certification for about 10 years
1: now. And I did a professional program at New York University in auction studies. And yeah, I happened to do the one that was an accelerated, I think it was like a three-month-long summer course. But I think typically the trajectory of that is going part-time for maybe two years. Oh, wow. But but yeah, you once once you have taken all your specialty classes and you take a government test, which is called the USPAP certification. And basically, it's just a standardized test that ensures not only your competency in working in appraisals, but also your knowledge of legal and ethical concerns in the appraisal
0: market. Which is very, very cool. So if anybody's interested in that, I'm sure you can Google it and check it out. I know there's programs around the world, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that the USPAP certification courses are actually offered all over the United States at different times during the year. So those are out there. It's just that that's just the, you taking the test. It's not the actual coursework that leads up to it.
0: Well, that does it for us today, Dress listeners. May you consider acquiring your next vintage treasure at auction next time you get dressed. Be sure and tune in this Tuesday for our full-length episode. We love hearing from you. So if you would like to email us, you can do so at dressed at iheartmedia.com. You can also direct message us on Instagram at dressed underscore podcast, where you will always find images accompanying each week's episode at dress underscore podcast is also our Twitter handle. And of course you can follow us on Facebook at dress podcast without the underscore. For additional readings
1: for episodes, please check out our show notes at dresspodcast.com. And don't forget about our merch store at teepublic.com forward slash dressed. That's T-E-E public.com forward slash dressed. As always, special thanks to our producers, Casey Pegram, Holly Fry, and everyone else at iHeartRadio that makes the show possible each week. Catch you Tuesday.
0: Trust the History of Fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.